Hey everybody, before we begin, quick message from me, Keegan here. I wanted to let you guys all know that there was a slight hiccup in our scheduling uh, due to me and Mimi moving. We are now all settled into our new place, so content should be rolling out frequently again. Um, there are still new episodes of Earworms you guys can go and listen to. Uh, additionally, we will be having our new Spell Jammer type campaign coming out mid-August, so keep an eye out for that. That can be found under our original Friends from Far Away podcast. Um, Ill Will, of course, will be continuing here every other week or so, and uh, Earworm will be a weekly release from Mimi and myself. Uh, that is all for now, and I will talk to you all later. Friends from Far Away Podcasting present Ill Will. Ill Will is a horror anthology podcast written and produced by Keegan Vanderwecken. Ill Will may contain themes and stories that are not suited for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Oh, yeah. Seriously. <laughs> wow, <laughs> I haven't seen these in years. Oh. <sighs> They're not even organized, for real. I mean, what's... Honestly... If you're going to have so many blasted records, you could have at least kept them in their respective cases and covers. Mozart and My Chemical Romance, Gorillas and Morbid Angel. I guess it's a strange blessing the record player still works, I'll assume. <laughs> Looks like it'll work. I'll have to try that out later. I hear you looking behind me, you know. Let's see now. Oh my! I... Apologies. That was rude of me. But your visage is shredded. What happened to you? Duh. Yep, of course. That's why you're here. I... I'm, I'm sorry. I... Okay. Let's start over. Hello. I am ready when you are. And could you please state your name for me? My name was Chelsea Scott, and I died, but believe I saved my family. I have two boys, and they are the light of my life. They share a room, and every night I would read them a story when I took them into bed. Recently, the boys have been wanting longer stories, and I normally would say yes, but I was so tired from work and making them lunches for school, I had to get some rest. I kissed them goodnight, turned on their nightlight, and turned to leave. Before I got out, Caden, my older boy, whispered to me that he did not want me to leave. I sat down on his bed and asked him why. His answer was the same as he had been giving me recently. He said he did not want the Meat Man to read to them. I asked him who the Meat Man was, and Caden said he was the scary thing under the bed. I let him know there was nothing down there except some old shoes and maybe his dirty underwear, but I would check for him all the same. It's a funny thing that parents can do for their children, bringing them comfort by doing simple actions, putting in night lights, checking under the bed, standing in the closet. Simple things that are just a moment for us to our children is a scary and defining moment.
I raised my boys to not believe in monsters. Or at least, to understand that the real world does have monsters, but there were no monsters in our house or in their room. Bad people exist, but here, under my roof, there was just me and them, and neither would cause them harm. After climbing out from under the bed, I had only found a sock, which I waved in Caleb's face. He laughed and I kissed him and re-tucked him in again, and turned off the room lights and went to bed myself. I was woken up by crying early in the morning. I groggily got out of bed and went to check on the boys. I opened the door to their room and turned on the light. I found that Caleb was not in his bed and Ben was crying next to the dresser. I hugged him and shushed him, telling him it was okay and I asked him where his brother had gone. Ben stopped sobbing long enough to say that the meat man had taken him. I was too worried to understand what he had meant at that moment and called the police on my phone. The operator said they would have an officer out shortly and I brought Ben with me to the kitchen and after getting off the phone I noticed a pool of red liquid on the floor. I looked more closely at him and realized that he was bleeding. I helped take off his pajama shirt and saw that he had long scratch marks on his belly as though a cat had gotten at him. I asked him again what had happened and Ben said it was the meat man. He said the meat man had come out from under Caleb's bed scratched his belly, and that's when Caleb had told him to stop. The meat man then took Caleb back under the bed, and I had come into the room. I called the police again, and the operator let me know officers were definitely on the way, and to take my remaining child to the living room and calm down. I did as they instructed. I made waffles. I distracted Ben, and assured him everything was going to be okay. I waited, and waited, and waited. 10 minutes turned into 30, and 30 turned into an hour. I had waited enough and the police had not arrived yet. I told Ben that he was alright, and turned on the TV for him to watch cartoons. I let him know I was going to go looking for his brother and I would be back soon. I walked into the boys' room, searching for any signs of what had actually happened. Caleb's sheets were torn, but there was no sign of blood. I got down on the floor and crawled under the bed, looking for any sign that something was wrong. As I crawled forward, I found myself crawling further than I thought possible under the bed. I pulled out my phone's light and illuminated under the mattress. The wall to the bedroom was right in front of me, but as I looked behind me, I saw the light from the bedroom was impossibly far away. I looked back at the wall and touched it with my hand and pushed. It did not move. I switched my light off again and put my hand out, expecting to once more touch the wall. I met no resistance and began crawling again. As I did, I heard Ben scream for me. I crawled backwards as fast as I could and rushed to the living room. As I entered, I now heard the bell ringing as well. I answered it and found myself facing an extremely hairy man. I shrieked and closed the door before he could say anything. I locked the door and checked the time on the oven. Two hours had passed. I was positive that could not be correct and that my oven clock was broken. I checked the time on my phone and found it confirmed time had slipped away. Another knock on the door startled me out of the kitchen. Looking through a peephole, the hairy man was gone and I saw two police officers standing there. I let them look through everything and gave them my son's description. I also mentioned the hairy man I had seen a few moments before. Once they had a look around, the officers began organizing a neighborhood search. I knew that it would be pointless. I knew that Caleb was still in this house, and that he had been taken by something under his bed. As the police left, 
I once more got on the floor of my boy's room and crawled under the bed. I crawled forward, inch by inch, and I swear I felt the ground tilt downward. The longer I crawled, the more worried I grew. Eventually, my hand brushed a wall, and I found myself taking a turn. I gingerly continued. I needed to find my son. I needed to bring him home. I was still in total darkness, but felt a breeze and the texture of the carpet had changed. I pulled out my phone and turned on the light, and found I was no longer in a small crawl space, but instead could stand up. As I looked around, I found myself in what I thought reminded me of an old church building, with tiles of what can technically be called carpet, and the walls seemingly made of old brick. As I moved forward, it was hard to see with the limited light of my phone, but I appeared to be in a long hallway. Behind me was only a brick wall with no entrance to the bedroom. The room I had just crawled from. I had no choice but to move forward. I eventually came to a crossroad. I could go left or right. I chose right. I vaguely remember something about when lost in a maze to always hug the wall to your rights and you will eventually find the exit. I probably would have been fine to continue exploring at my cautious rate, except I felt like I was being watched. I turned around and couldn't see anybody, but I knew someone was watching from just out of my phone's light. I took a step forward to investigate, but the little voice in my head was screaming for me to leave it in the shadows and run as far as I could. I listened to that voice and fled. As I began sprinting away, I heard something in the darkness behind me giving chase. I ran as far as, as I could, always hugging the wall on my right and following any devi deviations I came across. I tripped and my phone fell out of my hand. As it clattered to the floor in front of me, I thought that would be the end. The thing that had been chasing me was going to catch up, and I was going to die. I was going to never get Caleb out of here, and he would die. I would die. I heard a loud clattering behind me of something heavy hitting flesh. Then, ahead of me, out of the darkness, a hand grabbed my phone. It held it up high, and I heard a voice shout for me to get up and keep running. I, I listened following the light of my phone away from the wall and into the darkness. As I gave chase, I heard the thing behind me growl and the shuffling of something metallic clatter on the floor. The light bobbed and weaved around corners ahead of me, but never out of sight. After one final turn, the light of my phone was soon overpowered by fluorescent light shining ahead. I could also see the figure who had helped me. It was a man, and as we entered the lights, I could see he was wearing what looked like stitched together pieces of fabric from a couch. He did not stop running, and the man explained that if we stopped, we would die, but he knew of a safe place we could wait. After what felt like an eternity of running, we stood in front of a door. He opened it, and as we got inside, I found what was clearly this man's living quarters. A pile of socks lay in a corner, a table was missing a leg, and... On top of the table was an assortment of half-filled water bottles and bags of chips. As we took a moment to catch our breath, the man asked how I had gotten here and what border entrance I had used. I didn't know what he meant, but I explained I had climbed under my son's bed looking for him. He stopped eating his chips and looked at me seriously before asking what my son's name was. I let him know Caleb had been taken by something under his bed, and I was just wanting to find him and get home. At this, the man had started crying. As impossible as it was, this man was Caleb. He apologized and told me he had never figured out how to make it back to us, even after he had escaped the meat man. As impossible, as improbable as the situation was, 
I had no choice to believe that this was Caleb. I asked him how we could get out, and he responded that he knew of a single way, though there was two problems with it. The first being that it was guarded, and the second that it was very far away. I told him that wouldn't be an issue, as we had to get back out of here and back to Ben. We left immediately. The journey was long and stressful. The ever-present fluorescent lights flickered endlessly above us as we traversed that place. Eventually, we came to the spots we were looking for. In a large, open room, there was a single rope hanging from the ceiling, like you would see in a gym class. I stepped forward into the room and was pulled back immediately by Caleb. He made a shushing sign with his hand and pointed for me to look carefully. Peering around the wall, I saw what he meant by this place being guarded. The lights in the room flickered off, and when they flashed on again, I saw there was a hunched figure that looked vaguely humanoid, but that had arms that appeared too long. It was crouched on all fours, and seemed to be twisting its head back and forth, listening intently. As we watched, Caleb explained the tricky part was this. If both of us climbed the rope, we would die. One of us would have to lead the guard away. He insisted that it be him, as he knew how to evade it, how to survive, and how to help others who got lost down here. I told him no. It was not his job to take care of others. As his mother, it was my job to help him. I then kissed him on his head and told him to look after his brother, and I ran across the room. As I heard the monster chasing me, I let myself get lost in the pale yellow light of those rooms, and as I ran around the corner, I saw the shape of my boy, of Caleb, climbing that rope. I know that he got out, and as I was caught, as I was torn apart by the Guardian, I knew he had found Ben and would take care of him. After all, the wild stitch clothes he was wearing was the same as the hairy stranger who gave me a scare earlier that day. <coughs> well, I guess I'll go ahead and give this a listen to now, I suppose. After all, I deserve a break from this. <laughs>